what's up guys? Hope you guys are having a great day today. My name is Matthew Spaziti and welcome back for another episode of the Matthew Spaziti program where we talk about financial freedom and economics. If you are new to the show and this is your first time coming and listening and everything, first and foremost, I want to say thank you. And I'd like to ask you guys to take the 10 episode challenge where you basically go back and listen to the last 10 episodes. The reason I do this is because I think you'll get more value out of the show and I might be referencing a few things from previous episodes that you simply just may not be aware of if you're just now joining. So that said, ladies and gentlemen, if you're loving what I'm doing here, then please go give me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes so that we can get the show on the map. When you guys give a rating and review, you know, basically what it does is it helps us come up with in the rankings and all that kind of stuff on iTunes or slash Apple Podcasts as it's now called. And yeah, it just helps the show become more visible to more people. So if you like what I'm doing here, then please give me a rating and review. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, uh, first and foremost, I want to say uh, if you guys have been visiting the website, the MatthewSpazitiProgram.podbean.com, I'd imagine most of you aren't. I, 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 my thought is that most of you guys are probably listening to this on some kind of podcast app, whether that's Podcast Addicts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you guys are. Yeah, I'd imagine most of you are listening to it through some kind of podcasting app. Well, uh, you know, there is a website for those of you who don't know. And a, a couple days ago, the website started getting all funky. And so a little bit of context here. You know, when I post an episode, usually there's the episode, there's a little description. And to the left, there's usually an image. It's typically the icon for the show, the Matthew Spazzini program and whatnot. And that's normally what you see. And then there's usually some kind of background image and a whole bunch of other stuff. Well, recently, it just it started acting really buggy. I don't know what happened. So I had to select a completely new theme. And yeah, uh, so far I actually kind of like the theme, although it's not a paid for theme. It's actually the basic one, uh, surprisingly. If you guys get a basic subscription with Podbean and whatnot, you know, you get some basic themes because they give you a website for your listeners to go to and, and, and so on and so forth. So this is one of the, the, the free ones that I get, but I actually really like it. It's got an image at the top on the far right. It's got a search and it's got a search bar. It's got archives and it also has a bunch of other affiliate links that I've got going for the show and everything. So if you guys are interested in that, go check it out. You know, like I said, it's math. It's the Matthew Spazzitti program.podbean.com. I'll go ahead and link to it in the show notes page for this episode. But yeah, so uh, basically all, all in all, I had to go ahead and rework it. I had to choose a different theme and all that kind of stuff. So if you guys were trying to access it around that time and you noticed that everything was all wonky and whatnot, well, that's why. I have no idea what caused it, but and I had to abandon that theme, which was kind of upsetting because I, I kind of liked the theme. It was the very first theme that I really had on the show for the show and everything uh, and whatnot. But anyways, with that being said, and uh, also one more thing before we hop into the episode for today, the Liberty Informant, the subscription-based podcast that I am producing is now live. We've got three episodes in there currently. I'm going to be getting a lot more episodes. And if, for those of you who guys don't know, if, again, if, if you're joining me here for the first time, the Liberty Informant is a subscription podcast that I do on a weekly basis. And it Unlike the Matthew Spazzitti program where we talk about financial freedom and economics and other things, you know, whether it's entrepreneurship, you know, becoming financially free, personal finances, a whole host of other stuff, right? But unlike this show, the Liberty Informant is where I come in and I literally just read articles, economic and political related articles from the Foundation for Economic Education the American Institute for Economic Research, and the Mises Institute, as well as now Intellectual Takeout. I got approval from Intellectual Takeout and whatnot, and you know, and they're a great, great source for politics, cultural, economic news. So I have permission from that to read from their site as well. All I'm doing is I'm coming in and I'm reading these articles, and you're probably wondering, well, why is that valuable? Well, I'm turning these articles into audio files so that you guys can listen to them. Not only are you getting to see what I'm reading in my weekly research, I'm always reading articles all the time. So not only are you guys getting to see the articles that I'm reading and I'm interested in, you know, but you're also getting to access to these articles. It's information that I think you guys need to be aware of. And the main reason I decided to do this was I created the Matthew Spazzitti Elite Group, which is a private group on MeWe.com. You know, most podcast shows, have some kind of a subscription-based group that you guys can go ahead and subscribe to. If you do, you get special features, you get special access to, to 
special content and special services and stuff of that nature. Most of the time, that's kind of how podcasting works. But anyway, so I wanted to create a group where fans of the show can go and basically congregate together. We can all share in our aspirations. We can all help each other with regards to becoming financially free. We can talk about economics, politics. We do whatever we want. You know, it's basically the show's group and whatnot. And if you love the show, this is a great way to get in contact with me. If you do sign up for this, you can also add me as a contact on MeWe.com. And that way you can private message me as well. Although I I can't guarantee I'm going to be able to respond to every single one of you. You know, let's face it, I'm only one guy and I don't have a secretary or anyone to help me out with this stuff. So I'm not going to be able to get into every one of you if you you specifically message me. I will be in the group and whatnot with you guys. So naturally, if you guys wanted to gain access to me or have a high likelihood of getting a discussion with me, you know, we do that on the group or, you know, you could try to send me a private message and I'll, I'll try to get to it. But that said, though, I wanted to set up a group like this and I think it's really cool, but I also wanted to add more than just simply the group. I wanted to add some kind of a service. And I was just thinking, you know, I'd love to do like a live trading room, you know, every single week. It'd be once a week, you know, 25 to 50 bucks a month where you guys can see me take my live trades. But unfortunately, I'm not a consistently profitable trader yet. And I'm also not even finished with my back testing yet. So, you know, as much as I would love to do something like that, I feel at minimum, I feel like I should be ready to trade live money. And I'm just not, I got to do a lot more backtesting. I got to focus a lot on that. And, you know, before we get to that point and then, you know, down the line, we'll go ahead and we'll do that. And it'll be a really, really great group. I'll come in like maybe once a week and, you know, it'll be kind of an accountability. Are you following your trading plan? Have you finished your backtesting? Things of that nature. And I think that will be really cool as well. But I also thought, okay, so I'm not done backtesting. I can't do the trading stuff, at least not yet. What can I do? And I was thinking, okay, well, hey, you know, I could record me reading a bunch of articles that I absolutely love reading, right? And I can make that into a podcast so that I can allow other people to consume the data, the information in a much easier medium, right? A much easier format. See, unfortunately, there's a lot of you out there that you love Austrian economics, you love libertarianism, you love all this kind of stuff, even financial freedom for that matter. You love all these concepts, but let's face it, you don't have a lot of time like I do. And frankly, I don't have a lot of time myself, but you have even less time than me because you work for somebody else. You don't have the time to go out there and read these articles on a weekly or even daily basis. You just don't have the time. So my goal was that I think this content's really valuable. It's incredibly valuable. These are really great publications and I really wanted to allow you guys to have access to them. And I want, so I thought, well, Hey, why don't I turn it into audio files so people can actually listen to it and they can listen to it on their commute to work or back home from work, or they can listen to it when they're eating lunch or maybe even right before they're going to bed, you know, whenever it's a good time for you, you know, maybe when you're working out, that would be a decent time too. Whatever's a good time for you, you guys can basically, you know, just turn it on. You can, you download the Podbean app. You don't have to do it that way, but you could, and then you could literally just pick the episode episodes that you want and you can listen to those articles. So now you don't have to have the time to read the articles. Now you can listen to them whenever you want. You can binge listen and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I thought that would be a really, really great, valuable service to for you guys. And you would get it if you subscribe to the Matthew Spazitti Elite group. So this would be an added additional feature to that. So that's what it is. I, I think it's really, really valuable. I think there's a lot of people who, who would really, want, like I said, I think a lot of you want to consume this content, but simply don't have time to read it. So if you're in that boat or if you want to see what I'm reading all the time, you know, that's another reason why somebody might want to do it because, you know, they like, it's like, Matthew, wow you got a lot of great ideas. You're pretty, you, you seem like you're pretty aware of what's going on in the world. What are you doing to figure all this stuff out? Well, I research. I constantly read. I am consistently reading all the time. I read economic books all the time, but in terms of what's going on in the world today, you know, I also, re- and like literally like right now in the present, you know, I'm also reading, you know, articles from the Mises Institute, from the Foundation for Economic Education, you know, from all, from uh, the American Institute for Economic Research and a whole host of other sites. So if I can get permission to read from them, I will. Now that I, here's why I will say, disclaimer, I'm not going to be able to get to 
every single article that is posted on each platform. I mean, you guys, I mean, there could be 20 articles that are posted in total. And I got to not only produce this show, I got to do that. And I got to take care of my daughter. And, and, you know, I got a lot of other stuff I got to do. So, and not to mention, I got to engage in back testing and a whole host of other stuff. So, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to read every single one of those articles. And I'm going to have to pick and choose with what I think is very valuable and you guys should be aware of. So, and ultimately, that will contribute heavily to learning more about Austrian economics and the economy as well. And, and all that kind of stuff. So anyways, that was a lot more long-winded than I anticipated it be. But that's what the Liberty Informant is. I'll put a link in the show notes page if you want to go check it out. Again, it's going to be $10 a month. You're going to get direct access to me through the Matthew Spazitti Elite Group. And then you're also going to get access to the Liberty Informant as well. And I think I think this is going to be great. It's going to be very it's going to help out a lot of people. And it's going to be absolutely amazing. So if you guys are interested in that, go check out the link in the show notes page. And it will, it'll be like, it'll probably be a link that says something like, that says, join the Matthew Spazitti Lee group or something to do with the Liberty Informant, or it might just say support the show. I don't know. I haven't really quite decided as I haven't made the link yet. So, but you know, be on the lookout for that and go check that out and, uh, get, you know, go consider subscribing if you want to support the show and you also want to get access to all that cool stuff. Um, periodically, if you guys want to get an idea of what the Liberty Informant is, I will be posting free Liberty Informant episodes, probably like once a week or something like that. So you guys can get an idea of what it is. If you think that's valuable, then go ahead and go sign up for it and whatnot. If not, then hey, no hard feelings. Uh, you know, still, I, I'm, I'm super happy that you're here and that you're willing to spend your, your time with me. I mean, I know you guys, look, time is one of the most valuable resources that we have. So many people do not value their time and they value their money more than their time. They, va- they value a lot more things more than they value their time. And it's rather unfortunate because all money is valuable and we need to manage it the best that we can, of course. However, money is a renewable resource that we have in our world. Whereas time, last I checked, is not. You can't get your time back. You just can't. If you spend your day poorly, you're never getting that time back. If you have children that are growing up and you decided you could care less about them growing up in their development, guess what? You're never getting that back. I don't, I don't say that to be a jerk or anything, but it's the truth, right? Time is the most important resource because it's one of the only non-renewable resources that we have. So that being said, you know, the reason I say that is that, you know, you choosing to come here is, in my opinion, and my mo- and granted, naturally, I'm biased, but is a good use of your time because you're coming here, you're getting educated, you're learning about these ideas of financial freedom, the liberty lifestyle, you know, the lifestyle that libertarians and conservatives, anyone who loves liberty really should be living. Uh, I like to call it the libertarian lifestyle, but it's really not specifically and exclusively just for libertarians. It's also, you know, any liberty-loving individual, right? They should be living this lifestyle uh, of being independent, of not being controlled by anybody else, and ultimately living a truly fulfilled life. So many people go through life very unhappy. I think living this type of lifestyle would make them happy, and it would ultimately help them in very positive ways. But, you know, you guys are coming here and you're learning about this kind of stuff. You're getting educated on economics. You're getting educated on trading, becoming financially free, and controlling the source of your income, and achieving mobile income, and all this, all the stuff we talk about, right? And I think it's a very, very good use of your time. So first and foremost, I want to say congratulations if you've already, you know, come here and you're, you're making that decision, you're investing your time in learning about all this stuff because frankly, your freedom depends on it in my most humble opinion. Now, granted, you know, of course, I, I'm biased, naturally. It is my own show. I'm not going to say it's a horrible waste of time. But I genuinely, genuinely, I, I think it is a valuable time. If I thought it was a waste of time, I wouldn't be doing it. You know, I wouldn't be wasting my time to produce something that's a waste of time and not valuable for anybody. I think there's a lot of value in the show and, and whatnot. So that said, let's get into the topic at hand for today. You know, we've already uh, talked about a whole bunch of other stuff already. And, but look. What I want to talk about today is the purge, all right? You're hearing this go all over the social medias. You're hearing this, you know, term called the purge get thrown out there on Zero Hedge and all all different kinds of publications are talking about it. What is it? Look, if you are aware of anything that's going on in the world, you know what the purge is. But for those of you who live under a rock, and hey, I'm not judging. There's a lot of things that I live under a rock with. I, I don't really, you know, pay attention that much to politics and stuff of that nature. I mean, I do to a certain extent, naturally, but I 
don't, I try not to pay too, too much attention to it because let's be honest, it's very toxic. It makes me depressed just like it makes most people depressed. It makes me feel powerless. And I just, I don't like feeling that way. I don't like feeling like garbage. So I don't knock the idea of living under a, a, a rock and whatnot when it comes to certain things. But what's been going on recently is that highly progressive authoritarian social media companies have been censoring other users on their platform and they have also been cutting off their services from other competition in other companies like Parler. So recently what happened was that Parler got taken down. They were using Amazon web services along with a domain domain registry and, and website hosting and all this kind of stuff and payment portals and all this kind of stuff. Well, anyways, all of these companies decided we're not going to allow you to have your account. We're going to block your account. You know, Facebook did this as well. Amazon did it. Amazon said, you're not allowed to be on our servers anymore. You're violating our terms of our our policies and whatnot. And Stripe and PayPal are not going to be allowing them to be, to use their services. Visa won't even allow them to use their services, which basically almost this, this whole purge, if you will, normally has only extended to a certain, you know, certain people uh, like Donald Trump or on their platforms. Normally it has not gone and actually affected businesses, but very recently it has. Back in 2018, Gab.com, which is a, it's more conservative free speech alternative to Twitter, but Gab.com got heavily attacked. And they were taken off, again, webs, you know, server hosting. They were taken off. Visa attacked them by by denying services to them using Visa. And it wasn't just the company. The CEO and his family are no longer allowed to use Visa, according to them. I mean, guys, this, this stuff is scary. Okay, if you guys are aware of end time prophecies in the Bible, this stuff is scary because the end, but if you guys aren't Christians, you don't have to listen to this. Although I highly encourage you to, because even if you're not a Christian, it's still important for you to be aware that this is how Christ, what Christians believe, because it's actually in the Bible, which is the fundamental, you know, foundation of many Christians' beliefs, right? You know, this is where we figure out how we're supposed to live our lives, the commandments and things of that nature. We what are the guidelines? What are the rules? And, you know, what is our belief? What's the history behind it all? It's all in the Bible. Well, at the end of the Bible, there's a book of the, of, at the end of the Bible, it's called Revelations. And Revelations talks about end time prophecy. So many of you probably aren't aware, but what is end time prophecy? That is basically the end of all humanity. It's the end of the world, if you want, as we know it today, for the most part. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody dies, but basically the Bible predicts that over time, eventually humanity will degrade uh, so much so that it will eventually create what is called the one, what is speculated as being the one world government. And in that one world government, the government will last for seven years and it will collapse at that given after seven year, a seven year period of time. Like I always, like I've always said, unions do not last forever. Unions of nations, unions of countries, right? The European Union, the Soviet Union, the United States, these countries, these unions do not last for forever. You know, they just don't. They end up falling apart because largely there's a lot of cultural differences between the different lands that you're trying to combine and you're taking laws and that and applying them to everyone regardless of the cultural differences between the people that live in those areas so ge- those geographical locations but one of the things that shapes my opinion and my belief in that area is end time prophecy which is in the bible now that being said at the end of the seven oh and by the way at the end of the seven years uh, the reason that the one world government collapses is that they attack Israel. Israel, for those of you who don't know, is God's chosen people. And when that occurs, when the whole world comes and attacks Israel, you know, basically God comes back and destroys all the ar- the enemies of Israel in one fell swoop. Like that. Like a snap. And then he reigns on earth for a thousand years. And then there's another uprising against them. And, and finally, he chains up Satan and throws him in the the the, the fiery pit of hell or whatever, something along, something along those lines, right? And that's generally the idea. Well, in end time prophecy, it does talk. It actually legitimately states how the saints, aka the Christians, will not be able to buy or sell anything without the mark of the beast. 
The Mark of the Beast is speculated to be some kind of uh, tattoo that gets put on you that has a microchip inside the ink that gets embedded into you, and you scan the you scan the tattoo and the ink, so some people think it's a barcode or something. I have no idea. Uh, but whatever it is, they scan it, and you'll be able to buy and sell stuff, which, you know, hey, we already have radio frequency identification chips, RFID chips, and they are getting smaller and smaller all the time. We already have the ability to pay for things wirelessly through like Apple Pay or PayPal, stuff of that nature. You know, I'm frankly, I mean, if you really think about it, the technology is largely there already, or at least it's getting very, very close. And so this kind of stuff influences the re- how I think and how I see the world. Now, if you're not a Christian, you may not, you may not have the same worldview as me. That's fine. You don't have to, you know, as I've always said, I'm not a Bible beater. Okay. It, it is part of who I am. So I talk about it, but if you don't like it, you know, you don't have to get offended. I'm not, I'm not trying to beat you over the head with the Bible or anything of the sort. This is, I'm just trying to explain why I view the things that I do, how I view the world. And this is part of my history, part of my background that determines that. Well, the idea that you can't buy or sell anything if you if they disagree with your opinions. Oh, and by the way, in Revelations, it says saints will not be able to effectively live in civil society. They will have to go live in the wilderness and hide under rocks and trees and caves and stuff of that nature. Pretty scary stuff, really. Very, very scary stuff. And if you do accept the mark of the beast, then you aren't going to be allowed into heaven type of thing. You know, and yeah, incredibly, incredibly scary things. Well, when you see companies censoring other people or even trying to destroy businesses, this is a scary, scary thing that's happening. It's not that hard to believe. You know, some people say end time prophecy, ah, whatever. It's just, yeah, it's just fairy tales. Okay. You know, you don't have to believe it, but if it's just fairy tales, there's a lot of stuff that's happening in the world that kind of lines up with it. I mean, it really does. And so I don't believe it's fairy tales, but you know, I'm assuming you already know that. Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking about it. But the fact remains, ladies and gentlemen, look, is that this censoring is is dangerous. It's scary. And I know there's a lot of you that are probably freaking out about it. If you're libertarian, if you're conservative, you probably are wondering how long is it going to be until they come for everyone else? You know, right now they're just, they're trying to kick, they're trying to basically kick and shut down parlor. Parlor is still shut down today. Although parlor CEO just came back and, and effectively stated that he was going to, you know, more or less that, that Parler is getting back up. They have another hosting company and all that kind of stuff. So Parler is going to get back on its feet here. But, and that's positive. That's really good. You know, frankly, I don't always like the the vitriolic and the hatred that conservatives have on Parler. And I don't like that at all. But Parler, for, you know, to be honest, it's, it, it's a decent platform. When I look at it from a, a technological standpoint. It's very similar to Twitter. It, it has a smooth user interface. It looks nice. It, it's probably it. Parler and Gab are one of the easiest and one of the best alternative platforms to Twitter in just the way that they work. Now, Gab has been getting a lot of people as because everyone who is on Parler is flocking to Gab, but Gab got shut down uh, like I said, back in 2018. So they've already kind of gone through a lot of this stuff. I mean, if you want to buy stuff on Gab, you have to do with do it with eChex or Bitcoin and things of that nature or cryptocurrencies, probably not exclusively Bitcoin. Coinbase, which is a, a cryptocurrency exchange, they will no longer allow you to transact with Gab and everything. So anyways, all this stuff is very, very scary. And it's very obvious to a lot of people now that social media sites, these big tech companies that are authoritarian, that are communistic, Marxist, Leninist, technocrats, whatever you want to call them, they have a lot of power. They really do. The fact that everybody uses them is it gives them a lot of power. But a lot of people, particularly conservatives, because they're the ones that are being censored, are coming out and saying that we need to amend it. We need to make an amendment to it and we need to ultimately take away their privileges and their protections because you see, they are behaving like publishers despite the fact that they do not claim that they are publishers. And uh, for those of you guys who don't know, according to the law, 
if you are a publisher, then you can determine what gets posted or what doesn't get posted on your platform, right? So like the New York Times, Bloomberg, Forbes.com, think of uh, companies like that. They are publishers. They can determine what whose opinion gets posted and whose opinion does not. But social media sites do not claim to be publishers, and yet they are behaving as such. So many conservatives are saying, we need to take this, pu- if you're going to act like a publisher, you're going to be treated like one. And that's the general idea. However, that's not necessarily the method that conservatives are going for in order to attack the censorships that are going on. They want to amend, they want to effectively modify Section 230. Now, Section 230 gives the protection to social media companies where basically basically what it says is that a social media company cannot be held liable for the content and the opinions that are expressed on its platform. And that way, no one can sue Facebook for a horrible comment that, that one of its users made about a very controversial topic, right? And that's just an example, uh, obviously. But, you know, that's what Section 230 says. And there's a lot of people, uh, you know, on fee.org, I actually read an article, I'm currently in the midst of editing it, where it basically says that this is dangerous. We don't want to be touching Section 230. In fact, we should avoid getting government involved at all because once you get government more so involved than it already has become, it's just things are only going to get worse. Things are only going to even further entrench the already deeply entrenched big tech companies, these social media companies that are censoring people. If we, if government gets involved more so than it already has been, the internet will become a lot less freer than it was before. And that's not really an idea that I disagree with. You see, so here's my opinion with regards to the purge. Okay, so I've kind of described what it is. I've described what people are calling for and whatnot and what I think is should really happen, all right? Frankly, it's really, really hard for me to, to say this because I am conflicted. On the one hand, I acknowledge that these big social media companies are private institutions in the sense that they're not government-owned, they're not government-run. However, they are funded a lot by government. When, uh, during their startup phases, they got government funding, and now that they are as big as they are, they also get a lot of military contracts. They get a lot of government contracts, right? And not just from the U.S. They're getting government contracts from other countries like China and whatnot. Google. Google is helping to develop the Chinese Communist Party's uh, social ranking system. Okay, so can we really say that these are free market entities? There's an argument and a very good one to say no, that we cannot. But while they make a lot of their money through government jobs and while they certainly have received government funds, not to mention all the money that's been printed and injected into the stock market as well or the bond market where they have bonds and stocks to buy, you know, not to mention the subsidizing of, of that as well, is it's difficult to say that these are actually free market companies. That being said, In the end, they are not a government agency. They are not controlled and operated by government institutions. While they are heavily influenced by government institutions and can even be controlled by government institutions, they are not a government institution. Not at at least on paper, right? And, well... That said, it gets into a very, very dicey uh, situation because you got to be careful because anytime you ask the government to come in and solve a problem without relying on your own efforts or the free market efforts or things of that nature, you're always asking for more problems than what it's worth. Governments generally don't fix things. They typically make matters worse. They typically don't fix problems in the world. (laughs) Normally, that's not the case. They're very good at making things, breaking things and making it worse, but they don't, they're not typically the best when it comes to actually fixing problems. And I fear that if they were to get involved even more so, then we're setting a precedence of more government intervention in a otherwise a relatively free market that is the internet comp- the internet industry 
You know, there's a lot, a lot of industries in the internet that are related to the internet, and some of them are, well, freer than others. But if we ask the government to come in and start controlling and making regulations on companies that are there, like social media companies, and we're saying, you know, the government gets to tell the social media companies what they can and cannot do legally now, that's setting a very dangerous precedence that I don't think we should really be setting. So here's my opinion on, on how I think it should happen. Ultimately, if you have a monopoly, okay, or an oligopoly, you only have a few, a few options and all the options are, all these options, all these other companies are basically run by all ideologically left-leaning, progressive, authoritarian, Marxist com- individuals, then I agree with the notion of going to the government and asking that and basically trying to get it to the point where the companies in question cannot deny service to their customers. For example, right, with internet service providers, all right, there's a, you know, a lot of local governments, a lot of local cities will not allow the internet, other internet service providers to come in and lay cables to provide internet for more customers. A lot of times they make a deal with one company and therefore within certain areas of the city, only that company has their wires buried and therefore they don't allow anybody else to come in, giving them, at least in that specific area or that specific neighborhood, giving them kind of a monopoly in some ways. I guess you could always go with satellite internet, but satellite internet has never been reliable. It's never been very good. However, Elon Musk is experimenting with a satellite internet company that's actually posting some really interesting numbers in terms of latency and downtime and all this kind of stuff. So far, it seems like it's really fast and very reliable. So this may be a big, big game changer when it comes to all this censoring stuff. Not to mention Elon Musk himself has come out and condemned and more or less attacked these censorships as well, saying that this undermines the freedom of speech and things of that nature. Now, Elon Musk is by no means a conservative. I don't I would highly doubt that he's even a libertarian, but at least he seems to sort of understand the notion that the freedom of speech is something that is necessary in order to have a free and prosperous world. Or at least that's what he's pandering to right now. However, with that said, you know, uh, in a, in a situation with an, an internet service provider, okay? Cuz that's where everyone knows this is going. This censorship will not stop merely at Parler and Trump supporters. This censorship over time will escalate and it will start to get applied to anyone who's, who's counter to what the, the, the ruling elite's narrative is. You know, so libertarians or liber or, or libertarian like individuals like me. I mean, I, I don't self subscribe as a libertarian because I don't really want to be affiliated with the party. I disagree with the stuff that a lot of the party does. Many of you, if you are libertarians and you love the the libertarian party, that's fine. I don't like politics in general. Okay, I don't like democracy. I don't like politics and that kind of stuff. It's just not. It's not something I'm. I enjoy. I really don't like any of that. So for me. I don't like politics to begin with, and I have a very very cynical view when it comes to any politician. And I understand I'm painting a very, very wide brush, okay? And I do think that there are a handful of politicians out there who seem like they're good, but in the end, that's only because their constituencies allow them to be that way. The constituencies change, they're not going to get elected again. So, you know, in reality... I'm not a huge fan of politics. I don't like politicians and even a lot of libertarian politicians. You know, they're still a politician in my book. So anyways, I just, I'm not a fan of politicians in general, but I, I, the the libertarian party has just, there's not a lot of stuff that I I, I haven't uh, agreed with a hundred percent and I don't want to really be associated with that. So while the vast majority of my beliefs are libertarian. And maybe I'm just being silly by not wanting to tie myself to the libertarian movement out of fear of being labeled as someone that I'm not, right? I don't always agree with everything that the libertarians say. I don't always 100% agree with it. I mean, for example, you know, I'm a monarchist. I know that they sound really, really weird. You're, You're a monarchist? What? You're saying, Matthew... You 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 believe in dictatorships, and I'm like I, I don't believe that monarchy is a dictatorship. I think that they're two con- separate things. A monarch can be a dictator, and can effectively devolve and deteriorate into a dictatorship. But a dictator can also evolve and, you know, become a monarch. 
but anyways, I don't want to get down that path, but yeah, I, I am a, a monarchist, okay? I don't like democracy, and frankly, when it comes to anarcho-capitalism, there are a lot of things about anarcho-capitalism that I like. In fact, I, I, in fact, I, I probably haven't said this on the show yet, but I, I, I will start saying this from now on. If I wasn't a monarchist, I probably would be an anarcho-capitalist, all right? And that so- they sound like they're on completely different spectrums, and I will do an episode as to what my rationale for that is. But it's not really the purview of this episode, so I'm not going to go into that. But yeah, if I wasn't a monarchist, I'd be a anarcho-capitalist. And the main reason here, just very briefly, is that I'm, I don't like the public ownership of government. I like the private ownership of government, okay? Hans Hermann Hoppe has talked about this at length in Democracy, the God that Failed, and I very much... I agree with it. And there have been other Austrian economics and libertarians who've talked about this as well, but I'm in favor of the private ownership of government, and I don't believe that anarcho-capitalism would actually result in no government. I think it would result in a lot of tiny governments sprinkled all throughout the the nation, and they would all be heavily diversified, but they would all be privately owned. So anyways, that's my shtick real quick and, and whatnot, but that's not the purview of the show. And you may disagree with me. You don't have to agree with me. Whatever. I mean, kind of like what I've always said. (laughs) I I don't care. But when it comes to the censorships and what's really going on, it's scary. It's eventually going to get to a point where they start coming after libertarians or Austrian economists. They're going to come after everyone. They're going to start censoring us. Cutting us off from using Visa, debit cards, credit cards. Well... In these environments, when you start getting into these industries where there's high regulations, very low competition, you got an oligopoly in the market. So a monopoly is where only one company controls and operates within a particular market, a particular industry. They have no competition whatsoever. Whereas an oligopoly is you got a few, a couple companies now that ultimately have the majority of the market share. Now, granted, I guess a, a true oligopoly would be one where there's maybe four companies and that's it. You have no other options. And in some cases that is true. And most of the time you have other options, but they're very limited. They're not very convenient to use. And there's a reason most people don't use them. However, in industries where competition is incredibly low because of government intervention, because of corporate lobbyists who have lobbied for regulations that ultimately reduce competition, you see, a lot of times, a lot of people will say, well, why would a, gov- a company want the regulations? It costs more money on the company's end. They got to pay all this money to make sure they're in compliance and it restricts how they can do business. Well, the fact of the matter is a lot of the large corporations that exist today really are not very innovative companies. They don't really innovate much. They just kind of keep rebranding things and, and remarketing their same stuff. And maybe they improve their product and service to some extent. But they don't really innovate much, and it's very difficult for them to innovate because the inefficiencies that we see in government, the waste, fraud, and abuse exist in big corporations as well. The bigger an institution becomes, the more inefficient it becomes, is probably the best way to put it. And as a result of that, big corporations really struggle to to deal with small, really tiny little players in their market, their competition. Why? Because there's a lot less bureaucratic red tape. There's a lot less politicking that goes on in those companies, particularly if it's a one-owner company, and that company can move and innovate a heck of a lot faster than a big corporation. You see, big corporations understand this, and they fear this. They know that if, if it was truly a free market, they wouldn't survive long. While they have a lot of money, you know, they've got to defend their market share. They've got to defend their position and the power that they possess in the market. You see, if a, a big corporation was effectively given carte blanche power, they would outlaw all competition altogether. They would never allow you to have competition at all. You see, a big corporation, in my mind, in a way, is a form of a government. Maybe not the traditional sense of government that we think about, but once they have the ability of the use of force, they become kind of a a form of government, a pseudo-government, if you will. In a way, they do. 
And ladies and gentlemen, this is incredibly important for you guys to understand because that's what these big corporations would do. You see, I don't believe in a truly free market economy. I do not believe that big corporations would exist. I think that they are largely fascist socialist institutions because only under a fascist slash socialistic, some kind of Marxist authoritarian government can they actually become as large as they are. Only by seeking the power of the state, of the government, can those corporations get that large. If it was left to free market competition, there would be a limit to the size of big corporations. You see, this is my belief that many big corporations would die if it wasn't for the special privileges that the freaking government gives them. They wouldn't survive at all. You want to punish a big corporation? You don't like big corporations? You want to punish them? Don't ask for more regulations. Punish them through the markets. That's the ultimate punishment. You want to kill a big corporation? Deregulate the the market that they're in. Let the sharks start to swim around these big corporate boats. And when you start deregulating, you're effectively poking holes in the bottom of the boats. And eventually the boat's going to sink and the sharks are going to consume all the people. They're going to drown, die, whatever. That's effectively what would happen, right? Just kind of giving you that little, that imagery there. That's not a happy imagery, but you get the idea, right? I think it makes the point. The point is that these corporations can't really exist. If you want to hurt them, deregulate the economy. Make them compete like everyone else. Stop giving them money. But you see, that's not what the government's interested in. It's really not. See, the government loves having these oligopolies, these big corporate, three or four big corporations that they who have acquired power and market share and massive wealth because of them. That way they can control them. And therein lies the danger. But ladies and gentlemen, what, let's, let's kind of get back to what we were talking about. In, a, a, in markets where there are companies that have largely monopolies or, or almost monopolies or maybe oligopolies or whatever that exists, there's low competition, okay? In the markets where there's low competition, I do and would support regulation to force those companies to provide their services to all the customers and they're not allowed to reject a customer based off ideological preferences or anything of that nature. In that environment, I would support that. Because if they, if these companies like say, I don't know, internet, an internet service provider or a phone company or a bank, right? In that event, you don't have a lot of options. There are no options to go to. There's low competition, meaning there's, there's no other options outside of the big players. Now, I think it's important to say that even in banks, there's lots of other tiny banks that would be willing to take your money that are either credit unions and things of that nature. So if Wells Fargo or if Bank of America or if whatever large banking institution you're banking with, let's assume they say, yeah, you're racist, even though you're not, but we're going to call you a racist and we're going to deny you access to our service. Okay, well, almost every state has state credit unions. I know that Texas actually has two credit unions that will only service individuals in Texas. And then there's a lot of other tiny banks all over the nation, credit unions and all these other companies that you can go with. There is still competition. It's low, yes, but there's still options. So in my opinion... I would, and first and foremost, I would not be okay with regulations on the big companies. Not right off the bat. I would advocate for deregulation. If they're going to behave like that, they don't get the special privileges. So if you, now, and I don't know if deregulation would ever occur. I would imagine that's a long shot and probably is un, a highly unlikely, but that's the route I would go with. I would go deregulation, and if you can't regulate and you have no options, then I would seek regulations to force them to not be able to cut services off from their customers and things that they disagreed with and, and, and things of that nature. That's what I would agree on. Now, if you are in a, an industry where there is competition, like social media is, are there a lot of options? There are, actually. There are quite a few. But in, in an industry like this, there's no need for regulations. If the government, the government needs to stay out of it. If the, as long as the government does not start to regulate the social media industry, and as long as the government does not start giving special privileges to the big tech companies and ultimately hurt 
the creation of competition, then I think no regulation is necessary. Even though you're, it's harder now, even though maybe parlor or gab are not as, oh, I don't know, convenient to use in some ways, it's still one of those situations, ladies and gentlemen, where you can still compete. And as long as you compete, you should compete. And we do not need to be getting the government more involved than it already is. It's dangerous getting them involved. We risk a lot if we allow them to get involved. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's kind of my overall opinion. If, if you have competition, if you have other options, then, let the, then keep the government out of it. Stop asking for the government to come in and force these big corporations to, you know, not censor people. If you don't have a lot of competition, if there isn't much competition available because of regulatory, you know, pressures being put and intervention being put on the market with due to the government and their actions, then yes, I would say, okay, well, you have no other options. You have to go to the power brokers, the elites in Washington, and you have to ask them, beg them to regulate these companies and not allow them to cut you off. But let's be honest, that's dangerous. And it should be a last resort because in the event that you do this, the regime in terms of voting changes all the time, right? We have a publicly owned government. Now, what we really have is we have a theocratically controlled oligarchy, okay? That's really what we have where the, the theocracy, the religion is really a, an atheistic one and it's really more of science and, and innovation and humanists and, you know, all that kind of stuff, and, and they're professors, those are the pastors, or those are the religious leaders. And then you have, of course, naturally, you have the media, and, you know, whether that's social media, or mass, or mainstream media, or whatever. And then, they create the ideology, and all the little followers that were indoctrinated from a very young age, end up going into society, and then it comes into entertainment, video games, movies, TV shows, news outlets... They become even further indoctrinated into the ideology. And then they go into the rest of the world. They go into the corporations. They go into politics. And then you've got government. You've got a, a highly immoral society where big corporations and corporatists are getting in bed with government. That's really the system that we have today. On paper, we have a democratically elected republic. In reality, we have a theocratically controlled oligarchy that only uses the democratic apparatus, the republic apparatus, that it only uses the, the politicians that are elected, them as, it uses them as distractions, it uses them as theaters, but those politicians largely have very little power. The true power structure lies in the appointed positions. The positions in government, many would call the deep state, but the positions in government that largely have very low turnovers where a politician can jump from a board member at Goldman Sachs and then hop back into government pretty much his or her entire life, jumping from one to the other. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the system that we have today. So odds are, if you try to go the political apparatus to try to regulate, you might be able to. They might do it because it incentive, they're incentivized to. It gives them more power. Once you, once you let them do one thing, once you give them an inch, they'll take the whole dang thing. They'll take absolute control. You give them an inch, they'll take more than a yard. They'll take it all. Once you allow even the slightest intervention... It's only a matter of time. And it might take generations. I don't know. It might take a long time, but eventually they will have absolute power. They will have complete control over the industry, over the company. And if you allow them to start regulating the, the, the internet, if you keep asking them to come in and regulate the internet, guess what? The internet will no longer be free. The internet isn't free. Right now, there are regulations that affect the internet, but for the most part, it's freer than many, many, many other industries and markets that are out there in our nation today and in the world. It is one of the freest markets right now. And if you get government to come in and constantly come in every time there's a problem that you don't like, the, oh, life just got hard for me. When has life ever been easy? When has life ever been easy? When has anything good ever been easy to achieve? It's never been easy. 
Never. And frankly, if you're expecting it to, you don't have a lot of experiences in life. You need to get some more. You grow some tougher skin. Life is not easy. The, the cards can always be stacked against you. This isn't something that you should complain about. If anything, this makes you stronger. I'm not saying you have to be happy about it, but recognize that it makes you a stronger individual. But winners are going to win regardless of the, the difficulties, regardless of the adversities that are in front of them. But ladies and gentlemen, you know, back to the idea of what I was saying before. If in, in a very low competition market where there aren't very many options, I can see, I probably would say, yes, it does make sense. You have no options. You have to go through the political apparatus. You have to go through the state apparatus to try and force them to not be able to deny service to any customers at that point. However, if there is, if that's not the case, and I do not believe that is the case today, and there are options, and there are there is competition in that market, then you let the free market work. You see, what these social media companies are doing, these companies are, and the visa companies, all these companies, they're slitting their own throats. Necessity is the mother of innovation, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sure you've heard this before. And what that means is that if they're going to start cutting off people and randomly saying through some random, through some arbitrary authoritarian ideology, if that's what they're going to start to do, they're they're showing and they're proving to businesses that you are unreliable. When are you going to say that I no longer get your service? I'm not basing my company off you. I'm not building the foundations of my company on you. You are an unreliable source. I'm going with someone else. And if there is no one else then someone is going to rise up and create a business. That's how the free market works. And it's beautiful and it's wonderful and it will punish them if it is allowed to do so. Now, if the government comes in and regulates and starts giving them monopolistic controls or pseudo-monopolistic controls, oligopolistic control, whatever, then that changes things. But if the government continues to keep its dirty hands out of it, the free market will punish them in due time. I mean, look at social media. Everybody knew this was coming and people created Parler. People created Gab. There's a whole lot of other options out there. There's Mastodon. I think it's Mastodon.org. There's, gosh, there's tons of them. There are options, ladies and gentlemen. There genuinely are. There's MeWe. For as a Facebook alternative, there's Minds.com again as a Facebook alternative. There are options. You just have to be willing to look. Now, when it comes to payment stuff like credit card companies, you know, frankly, I don't really know. Yes, though that industry is heavily regulated. It would be very difficult for a company to come in and create another card that people could transact on and that everyone and that every other you know, company, like your grocery stores and stuff, that they could actually use. But if Visa and MasterCard and all these credit card companies are going to behave this way, it is only a matter of time before other competition comes into the market. But I will say, again, if there is regulatory burden in those industries preventing people from coming in and, uh, and creating competition, then I would advocate for regulation. I mean, there are, there's regulation on phone companies. It was actually created, I think, before cell phones came out, but there weren't that many phone companies, probably due to regulation and maybe the, the, the high barrier of cost, but I think it was largely due to, re- a lot of that was due to regulation almost all the time. If there's a high barrier of entry, it, a lot of time, almost all the time, it's because of government regulation and intervention. But because of that, there was a law that stated that phone companies cannot dis- deny service. They cannot shut down your, your phone calls because they disagree with you. Now, I don't know if, if this applies to cell phones. I would imagine that it does. Text messages, I don't know. I'm not an expert in law, okay? So if you want that, you know, consult an actual professional, maybe go to a lawyer. But yeah, I think it does apply, but I'm not sure. 
When it comes to internet service providers or energy companies, these are heavily regulated industries. The internet service provider is a very costly one to get involved. And like I said, a lot of local uh, cities will only do deals with certain companies and won't allow others to come in. Now, that's not for the entire city. A lot of times, if you're in a big city, it's really certain sections will go to one company, another section will go to another company, and so on and so forth. Some sections will have multiple companies. But that said... In the event that they start to limit your access and they start cutting you off, however, there is no competition for you to go to, there's a couple things you can do. You can either go to the government and ask them to deregulate the market, in which case you'd have to wait for other companies to come in there, start innovating and creating competition. That would be the best way to do it. The other alternative would be to go the government route and ask for regulations. Obviously, I'm very much more on the size of let's let's try to get the, the government to deregulate the market and see what we can get out of that. And if we can get that, then there's no need to ask them to regu- add even more regulations on the economy. Adding more regulations should be largely a last resort. There are no options. And frankly, because if you ask them to regulate, you're really giving them control over it. And it's really only a Band-Aid fix because sooner or later, someone's going to get in power and they're going to, now that they have created the, the precedents in order to force companies to not censor, they could easily force them to censor. Once you give them the power, they're going to have the power indefinitely. And as a result of that, if you do let them do that, it, you, you're really going to cause the problem to occur down the road, for which there will be no alternative but to leave the country. So we should really aimed at deregulating first if we can help with that if we if there are no comp- com- competition if there is no competition in the market that's what we should do but largely these government apparatuses the state apparatus is going to support the big companies they're not really i don't even know if they they would even be if it would even be possible to get them to heavily regulate them and, and what but um, my point is we shouldn't seek regulation right off the bat we should look for competitors give our business to them if you don't like these progressive authoritarians then stop giving your money to them start giving your money to companies that are libertarian libertarian and liberty oriented maybe even conservative corporations start giving your money to the liberty minded and stop giving your money to the the progressives. And of course, where you can. That's what we need to start doing. But, you know, that said, ladies and gentlemen, another thing I wanted to just be, I know we're kind of getting to the end of the show here. All right. And one of the things I really wanted to point out, and one of the things I really wanted to ask the question of is this. Where were you when, where the individuals went through all the risks to create those companies? Where were you? Were you taking the risk with them? No. Right? You didn't create Facebook or Twitter or Pinterest or YouTube or Instagram. You didn't create those. You didn't spend the time to create those companies. Now, frankly, you know, Facebook now owns Instagram. So really, Instagram does not own itself anymore. YouTube was independent from Google. And then, of course, Google came in and bought them up too. So, yeah, but you get the point, right? But with that said, do we not own the product of our labor? Do we not get to decide who gets to and who does not get to use product of our labor? If you are saying that, yes, we own the product for our labor, then I hate to say it, but I really think that these corporations have the right to censor whomever they want. They do not have the right to go to government and ask them to regulate the economy or regulate that industry so that they can limit competition. No, but they do have a right to say who uses their company and who doesn't. Now, again, I I would say that if they've already engaged in the regulatory burden, there are no options, then, you know, your only option is either to leave the country or to go with the the government option and try and get them to regulate that, that company because they created this problem. I suppose it makes sense at that point. You have no other options. What options do you have? But we own the product of our labor. And if there is competition in an industry, then go with the competition, but don't try to tell companies what they can and cannot do with their own companies. It has far-reaching consequences that you got to be aware of. You got to think long-term. You can't just think about the present. You got to think longer down the road. You have to be future-oriented. You have to have the future sight, not present-oriented. Think of the consequences. Henry Hazlitt said it best in his Economics in One Lesson book. 
think of how one re- if you're engaging in one regulation because you want to benefit one group of individuals, you need to ask the question, how is that regulation going to affect everyone else in the economy and every company that comes into that industry going forward? Because once you get a piece of regulation in, odds are you're not going to get it out. If you start to want to tell companies that they're not allowed to censor people on their platforms, how is that going to affect the industry overall? Now, that's not simply just going to apply to the big corporations. It's going to apply to all the other ones. It's going to apply to all the other alternative forms of social media. Something you need to think about. You know, I've been using a lot of alternative media. I've been using Minds.com, MeWe. I I just started to use a Gab since Parler got taken down. I didn't know if Parler was going to come back. I figured it probably would, but again, I wasn't 100% sure, so I started with Gab. I got one on Parler. I like, I love these platforms. They're cool. They're cool platforms. I don't always like the the community that's there. I mean, Gab has a lot of. A lot of sketchy content creators and companies that are on there. A lot of spam and just really shady stuff. Some of them are very vitriolic and very angry and, you know, will shout you down. I mean, I've, I've been personally criticized on Parler and Twitter, you know, from the left and the right, frankly. Just for my, you know, my Austrian economic libertarian leaning ideology. So, I mean, to be honest, you know, I'm hated by everyone <laughs> to some extent. But... The, co- the platforms themselves, from a coding aspect, from a user interface aspect, from the ability to at least speak your mind and not be afraid of being censored by the by the company, you know, it's it's it, they are nice. They're they're nice, and frankly, it opens your eyes to what's really out there. So uh, there are there are different hosting companies. You don't have to go with GoDaddy. I have my website through Bluehost. Bluehost is what was recommended by Tom by Tom Woods. You know, you could get his you I used his affiliate program to go ahead and get access and to build my website through Bluehost and WordPress. I don't really know Bluehost's political leanings, but I hope that they don't censor. If they do, well, okay, I I guess I'll go with somebody else. Podbean is is the podcast hosting service that I use. If they were all of a sudden to decide they don't like my message, then okay, I guess I'll find someone else. As long as there's competition, I'm going to go with the competition. I'm going to get angry that I got censored. I'm I'm certainly not going to be happy about it, but I'm going to always try to go to the market and see what I can find before I ever start to advocate for regulation. Because once the regulation gets enacted, it takes power away from, from the consumers, from us, the individuals. And they don't ever give it back. So that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be the end of the episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys kind of, I hope you understand what I was trying to come across there. I think it's high, a highly valuable message. Okay. You know, yes, they're private industries, although I, or they're private companies, although I would say that you could easily make the argument that they're, they're overly funded by public money, but they're still private companies and whatnot. So they have the right to use the product of their labor as they see fit. Okay. It's dangerous to get government involved. It's dangerous. Even if you're right, even if you're a hundred percent right, I disagree with the censorship ladies and gentlemen. I do. I don't think the company should be doing it. I think they have a right to do it. I don't think they should do it. But that said, you know, I mean, if they want to go and do it, fine. You're going to slit your throat. Let the free market punish you and punish your arrogance and punish your short-sightedness and your narrow view of the world. Let the free market punish you for your stupidity. That's what I think we should do. And personally, I think that's the best response. Go with the competitors. If it comes to payment options, if Visa cuts you off, if you have access to MasterCard, go with MasterCard. If you have access to Discovery, go to Discovery. Go to any other company that you can go with and still live a life. Now, if they all cut you off, you know, then yeah, and you got no other options, then I guess, again, there's in, there's innovative industries that are going on right now, ladies and gentlemen, there really are, and you know, companies that where you don't even need to use a credit card anymore. But these cards are how we tend to transact. But maybe if they start cutting people off, then innovation will step in, 
And you'll start to see a situation where you now will have other companies that come up and competition, maybe even new technology that makes that technology obsolete. I mean, think about it this way. Facebook, Twitter, Amazon, Visa, these companies were not always the big kid on the block. These companies were not always the big corporations and the powerful corporations that we know them to be today. So as a result of that, there is going to be a time when they are again not on top. It's just, it's the creative destructing process of free market capitalism. And I know we don't have a a truly free market, but if there's still competition, then we need to rely on that. If we can still innovate to get around laws, if we can still innovate to create competition, we need to go that route. And I think that's the best way to go. So, ladies and gentlemen, hey, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, make sure to like and subscribe. And then also, if you haven't done this already, you know, go give me a rating and review on iTunes. It helps to make the show more visible, get it, get us on the rankings and all that kind of stuff. And it more and probably more importantly than all that, make sure to share the show. If you love this message, if you like the show and the content and the, and the value that I am providing here for you each and every week, then please make sure to share it. Help make sure to spread the word that we're out here. You can have the best product in the world. Not going to make a difference if nobody knows. So please help to share this message. Share the show to your friends, your family members, anybody in your life who you think would get a lot of value and real would really enjoy uh, coming here and spending a couple hours every week with me. And last but not least, if you want to help support the show, go check out the Liberty Informant and the Matthew Spazzitti Elite Group. I will post a link to both of those. Uh, basically, it's one support page, but I'll post a link in the show notes page so you guys can go ahead and get access to it. And hey, if you choose to subscribe, not only will, is that going to help support the show and what we're doing here, and hopefully get me to a point where I could do this full time, but also it will provide you a lot of value. You'll get access to a lot of great content from really great Austrian economic and libertarian publications and conservative publications as well. Liberty-minded, right? That And it'll give you access to all that information in one central location and in a format where you guys can basically consume it whenever you want. So if you're interested in that, Go check it out. Consider supporting the show. Get involved in the Matthew Spazzitti group. We're going to create a really great community here. I'm very, very excited about it. All right. Well, hey, that's it. Uh, before we actually head out, this is going to be the only episode that I'm going to record for this week. I do. I will be posting another episode, but it will be one from the archives. It was my birthday week. It's Tuesday at the recording. I normally record these on the weekend and whatnot. So, with that said, I will pick one, a popular episode out from the archives so that you guys can go ahead and enjoy that. Many of you are new as the show is constantly growing and you, you just aren't aware of all of the stuff that I've got. So I'm going to pick out a pretty cool one that I think you guys will like and had decent download numbers and whatnot. And uh, we'll go from there. And I hope you will enjoy that as well. But ladies and gentlemen, uh, seeing as which I'm not going to see you guys till next week, you know, hey, know the risks, plan accordingly, and I'll see you in the next one. 